0: Awesome. Uh, sometimes songs, the words make me cry. <clears throat> then sometimes it's just the, the beauty of the harmony. Yes, wow. It is true that music moves us, prepares us for. God's message to our hearts so important, the music ministry of a church And we're so thankful for all the different people that are involved And that work at it so that the Lord is honored And the preached word has a platform Uh, And I think that message will help us today Well, we just, can you believe it turned into February And we're moving on now we got through January. January wasn't a very good month for me. I I normally don't care too much for January. Years ago, I, I really, I used to use the word hate. Now, that's a strong word, but because it was always the annual business meeting and getting ready for that and so much. But I think the last eight, nine, ten years, we've just had, Brother Tom developed a program, and we got into that, and the Lord has blessed our church so much financially. And... Uh, I don't worry about it like I used to I don't you know January's fine, I mean, you know, my birthday's in january i mean that's that's a good thing and uh but I was so sick in January. I'm just glad January's passed. We're into February, you know February's a short month, we'll be into March, and you you do know that the uh what is he a gopher or a chipmunk uh <laughs> one of the two saw his. Saw saw his shadow or didn't see his shadow, and that means spring is coming. Eventually, well, I'm not too because my wife and I we made plans last year to go to Florida for four or five days in February. It's coming, can't wait. And uh, so February's great. January's behind us. February's ahead of us. But you know, it, it's like this. We're into February and. I have messages the Lord gave me for the church in the first month that we can go forward and be very used of the Lord and blessed of the Lord in 2019. One of the thoughts I had on my heart that I wanted to talk about after we had the business meeting is this thought in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 41. And for all you visitors who are here today, I will be mentioning one point about giving, and uh, I, I know what happens. People come to church and say, oh, that's all the pastor does is preach. I rarely preach on giving. This church is such a good giving and gracious church. It's really not somewhere I have to uh, stay. But it is something we need to remember, refresh. And, and But there's four other points. So if you can endure the first one, I believe the other four will be a blessing to you. And, and The first one is good. You need to hear it. And uh, we're going to go in that direction. My thought this morning is not a mite with would I withhold. You know, there's more to giving than just giving money. And we're going to be talking about some things, I think, and our normal thinking is, of course, uh, time and talents and all that. But today I want to talk about some areas of the local church that you and I, not, we don't need to withhold that From God, But to get involved in the type of giving I'll be talking about today. So don't shut me off. And uh, I pray that you'd um, endure to the end. And not only will you be saved, the Bible says, but you'll be happy. Okay, so uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury. And behold how the people cast money into the treasury. And the Bible says that Jesus is sitting there. And he's beholding this process of giving. And many that were rich cast in much. That's good. Pastors love those people that cast in much. Verse uh, verse 42, And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Uh, Let's look at this thought this morning. Not a mite would I withhold. Let's pray. Father, help us as we look at your word this first Sunday of February. Lord, we want your blessing upon our ministry, upon our church. And Lord, we want to see many souls come to Christ this year. We want to see new families gather and grow with us. Uh, We want to see people obedient to biblical baptism. We want to we want to preach and teach the gospel, Lord, more than we ever have. And Lord, we've been trying to. We need your anointing. We need your touch. We need your Holy Spirit's unction. Bless this message, Father. I pray. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> I have to apologize. I will cough a little bit. I'm still getting over illness. I'm on my fourth round of medicine. So if this doesn't work, I think the doctor's just going to get rid of me. I'm not sure. (laughs) But this morning, uh, I wanted to talk about this thing of our giving, highlighting an important aspect of Christian life, and that's giving. Now, we just had our business meeting. It was a good business meeting. Our church has done better in general giving than it has in previous years. Building fund was way up. Missions, it was just a good year, a banner year, 2018 in giving. And so I'm not complaining at all. As a pastor, I'm very pleased. I'm very proud of this congregation and their commitment uh, to faith promise giving, to tithing, to benevolent, and all the other giving uh, that a local church will do. But, you know, there's a thing called biblical stewardship. Spiritual stewardship, and it has more to do with Christian life than just uh, putting some money in an offering plate. But that has a that has a part of it in our lives. God has given us several areas that we're accountable uh, to God for concerning the house of faith and this local body of believers. And so, we want to talk about that—the subject of giving and all these. There's only four more, so five total areas of stewardship. And I believe Parkview Baptist Church would be a strong, spiritually-minded church. But we can always improve. We can all, always have a, a vision to see more done for God each and every year. So this is kind of a, a refresher course uh, regarding the duty of our giving, of our talents, our gifts, our tithes, even our mites. And that's what our text is talking about, this poor widow woman who gave her two mites. The Bible says in Mark 12, 42, and there came a certain poor woman, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. Now, a mite is a quarter of a penny. And so she threw in a half a penny. That's all. But here's the thing. That's all she had. And that so impressed Jesus that he said to his disciples, come over here, I want to talk to you. He said, see, see these people that gave a lot? But see this little lady? She gave it all. The Lord is impressed with the heart of the matter, of someone's willingness to give unto him for his honor and his glory. We sang a song this morning, you may not have heard the the particular verse I wanted to go to. But Francis Havergill wrote this song in 1874. You sang it as a congregation. Take my life and let it be. And the first verse is, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow with endless praise. And then take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Verse 3, take my voice and let it sing. But verse (coughs) 4 says something. I think sometimes we just... Miss it. But Francis wrote, take my silver and my gold. And there's those words. Not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Then she writes, take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. And then she ends up the crescendo. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. What words, what thoughts, what commitment she speaks of here in the idea of giving our life to God. But we don't want to forget the silver and the gold. And so oftentimes, when we look about spiritual stewardship, oh, he's going to preach on giving. Oh, that preacher, that evangelist, whatever, that teacher (coughs) is going to mention giving. And it makes some people so uncomfortable. But church, you really don't need, this church doesn't need to worry about that. You are exemplary in the way you give, your faithfulness in giving. Now, however, you got got two sides of a coin, amen? And that's, I didn't mean to say that, it just kind of happened, we're talking about money, coin, it went together. But anyway, to many giving, to many in this church specifically, giving is just as natural and normal as anything The faithful Christian does. I have watched families give faithfully for years. And you know what I see? I see that in their children that grow up. And then they teach their children. And God blesses that. God certainly blesses that. Spiritually minded saints know that it's right to do. And that God expects from them his tithe and the offerings. Now Parkview knows that we are a blessed church and good measure of, of success in a lot of different ministries. And I believe these blessings are connected to faithfulness and obedience to God's word. And so God has truly blessed our church in this area of giving, stewardship, honoring the Lord. And uh, I commend you. Now, our text shows that Jesus was present at the temple on a day of course, a regular service if you would. Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among you. Right now, the Lord is with us. Right now, the Lord is present. The text we read this morning of Mark says that the the Lord was over against the treasury. He was actually watching people bring their offerings and present them before the Lord. And he observed, according to our text, that there were uh, several people casting money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much, much. Now we don't do that today. I've had people, we take up offerings They come by and the people take the plate or they don't, you know, and they give. I've had people suggest, well, they were in a church that had a box in the back. So, you know, we need a box and put your money in the box. But it's interesting to me that it's in the back of the church they want the box. (laughs) Jesus was watching them bring the money to the front. Now, that would be a little uncomfortable. That would be a little, you know... My son, Joseph, goes to a church down in Detroit, and the pastor leads his congregation. They bring their offerings to the front of the church. What about that? I'm not saying we ought to do that, but it's an interesting concept. It kind of goes along with the text. They're bringing in money for the treasury. And everybody got up. Don't you think there's a few people, if they didn't get up, they're thinking, I'm getting up. I got two mites here. I'm going to put them in. Nobody's going to not see me come up. No. I I got a feeling that probably they had pretty, maybe 100% participation. Because they came to the front. But Jesus understood that there were people in the church that were well healed. They... They were wealthy. They they had it. And Jesus even said of their abundance. He was impressed. He said, you gave of your abundance, but she gave all she had. Now, granted, we say, good night, preacher. She She gave a half of a penny. But Jesus knew she didn't have anything. A certain poor widow. He knew who she was. He knew everything about her. And he knew that she gave willingly of all she had and he said this day this this is the one who really gave notice he said to his disciples come let me me show you something he was instructing his own this is how you honor god this is how you give now i submit to you today that that is not the the mindset sometimes of giving in a local church sometimes we we feel compelled, or duty, or I'm a deacon, or I'm on a, I'm a pastoral staff, or I'm a departmental leader, so I know what pastor, it's not what pastor expects, it's what the Lord expects. Amen. What he's looking for, God wants us to honor and glorify him in all of our stewardship of our life, our Christian life. And so I imagine, again, in this chapter, there's some pretty influential and sizable gifts. However, the Lord, (laughs) what caught his special attention was this woman's giving of two mites. Now, it's interesting to me, I don't have time to develop this, but you could study this week. If you go to Luke chapter 19, uh, the Lord there is dealing with certain aspects of Jewish life. And boy, he was letting them have it. And then he gets into the, um, the, uh, the parables that he's teaching in chapter 20, and that's interesting. Well, at, in chapter uh, 21, uh, we read, go, go to Luke if you would. Um, we won't go to Luke 19, we don't have time, we won't go to 20, but look at 19. Luke 19 and verse 47, it, it starts this way. And he taught daily in the temple. And this is in verse 48. He could not find what they might do for all the people were very attentive to hear him. Boy, he had a captivating way about him. Never a man spake like him, we've heard. But he's in the temple. And in chapter 20, he's, he's talking about the different aspects of Jewish life and worship and then he gets into chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And he looked up and he saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, Of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all, for all these have of their abundance cast into their offering of God. But she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. Again, Mark tells us of this. Luke tells us of this. And, and I want to say, first of all, this woman being an example of the heart that God is looking for. Not the amount. The heart. The faithfulness. So in stewardship of the gospel, the first thing we read about in the book of Genesis, not too far in, is Abraham being willing to give his only begotten son. And then rest of the Bible, we see just giving, 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 giving of God's people. I want to talk about the sacrifice of giving. Uh, Philippians... Uh, Paul writes, and he shares this truth with us, Philippians 4.18. Paul, under the inspiration, says, But I have all, and abound, I am full, having received Epaphroditus, the things which were sent of you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Hebrews 13 and verse 16 we hear these words, but to do good and to communicate. Now, that word communicate has to do with giving. Okay? He says, forget not, uh, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So, the word sacrifice is mentioned in giving. And God says that He's well pleased when this is done. And that's where we go back to Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. Jesus was well pleased with this woman giving these two mites. You've heard a story like this, maybe this very illustration, I don't know, but there was a minister one day speaking to a farmer, and uh, the minister said to the farmer, if you had two farms, would you give one to the Lord's work? And the farmer said, yes, of course I would. The reverend said, if you had $2,000, would you give a $1,000 to the Lord's work? And again, the farmer replied, Parson, you know that I would. The preacher said, if you had two pigs, would you give one of them to the Lord's work? The farmer straightened and said, Preacher, you, that's not fair. You know I have two pigs. <laughs> that's kind of us sometimes. The Lord wants us to be faithful, and we try to come up with all kinds of excuses why we can't. I'm on a fixed income. I I got laid off. I'm not doing as well as I did before. Uh, All these things that will come to mind, and if you're not careful, they'll get in your heart. And you'll hold back. See, not a mite would I withhold. I have seen God's blessing upon faithful giving. I have seen it in my own family, my own life. God is a good giver. He'll always give more than you could ever imagine. And again, we always think of money. It's that there's so many things God gives us every day that we take for granted. But God is looking for faithfulness. This is just the number one area that a lot of people go to when you're thinking about giving. is right away money, offerings, giving of, of dollars. But it's the word sacrifice in Hebrews 4:18, and in uh, 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 excuse me, Hebrews 13:16, and Philippians 4:18 that that interests me. He said, God is well pleased with these sacrifices. The word sacrifice here has the meaning of a victim. You see, when Old Testament offerings were given, an animal had to die. It was the victim, and that animal gave it all. Amen. The root word there means to kill or to slay or to put to death. It even has the meaning of the paschal lamb or slaughter. But listen to this root idea here. The idea of sacrifice is to give it all holding nothing back. To die to self. Or of one's own needs or wants. Now, I understand we're at this first point, and some are just saying, "Man, I wish he'd move on." I don't like this point. There are people uncomfortable right now because you know, God knows, that you you're not giving it all. You are withholding, and God can't bless you for that. Now, God, you know what God does? He blesses us in spite of ourselves. Lots of times, He's such a good and gracious God. He is so long-suffering. But I want the total blessing of God on my life. I want to be obedient to the stewardship God has given to me and trusted in me. And it's not just money, but it's got a lot to do with money and our heart toward money. I, right now, I know there's things going on in certain people's minds. I know it. But I don't like this. We're only given what we can. We, You know... You, you, hey, you don't have to, I'm not your father confessor. We don't have a confessional box over here that you're going to get into. And I'll slide back the door and you can tell me, Father, forgive me for, our, no, no, no. That's where I use. I was lost. I got saved and got out of that. I, I'm not doing that. I'm preaching on spiritual sacrifices that God is well pleased with. This, this sacrifice mentioned that God is pleased with, it, it says that it's an odor of sweet smell to God. A sacrifice acceptable, favorable, taken with enthusiasm, well-pleasing to God, meaning it gives God pleasure. And often, too often, we're like the farmer, we, we got two pigs and we don't want to give God one of our pigs. We want to give God the residue. Uh, years ago, we went to Sauter Village in Ohio, <coughs> went there to see how the Amish or the Mennonite lived and one of the neatest things I ever saw in my life was they butchered a pig. You say, Pastor, you don't have much going on in your life. But no. (laughs) It was very interesting to me, and they took that, and I mean, in just a short period of time, there wasn't anything left. They used every part of that pig. (laughs) So the old farmer with two pigs, he's got a problem, because the preacher wants one of them. You know, God doesn't want your pig. He he doesn't want your pence. He wants your heart. And he's not satisfied unless he has it all. Doesn't mean he will take it from you. He just wants us to be faithful in that which he's asked us to be faithful. And uh, some people will begin to think in a message like this, I'll... I give, but I, I'm not going to tithe. I, I'll give, but I'm going to give on the net and not the gross. Making these arrangements with God. I'll give, but not until I whittle away some of the possible costs and considerations of my business. And then we'll... You know, here's the thing. The text shows us that Jesus is saying it in there. He saw, it says. He's watching. He knows me. He knows you. Now, this isn't a legalistic message. Some of you, oh, that's legalistic. No, no, it's not. It's mentioned in the Old Testament, but it's supported in the New Testament. Jesus said you give of tithe and mint and anus. And you've left out the weightier matters. Jesus wasn't giving an excuse not to give. He was saying you, you don't even, you're not even getting the ABCs of the Christian life. That's what he was saying of the life of honoring God. So I don't know where you're at in your giving because I know as a whole, this church is awesome. This church is so faithful. This church, every year, God is blessing and more missionaries are taking on. The gospel is getting priests and building funds are coming in. And we're, we're going to make that a reality here at this church and the advancement of this church for future years. As I said, there are going to be people come in this church that are not saved, give their heart to Jesus. They're going to be here and this church will be a blessing and a help to their Christian life their family, their marriages. It's not about today. It's about what God wants for now and the future. So I don't know where you're at, but God knows where you're at. If a poor widow can give half a penny, then I think everybody ought to be giving something. Amen. Amen. I would imagine everybody in this room makes more than... Half a penny a week. Amen. But we're living in a world that doesn't believe this. Lost people don't get this. They don't want anything to do with the tithing and the giving and the missions and sacrifice. Matter of fact, we're in the we're in the progressive or the socialist age and thinking today that everything is given to people. Nobody works. You deserve it. All that. No, God says that man can't eat if you don't work. So that doesn't make people comfortable, but that's the word of God. But just like this story, many came with a large offering of their abundance and they gave it. You know, who knows? Maybe they were coming up. Maybe they were dancing down the aisle. Maybe they thought, oh, I'm going to go slow so everybody sees me and what I'm throwing in. And boy, Jesus up there, I'm going to impress him today. And then came that little widow, so humble, poor widow. She threw in those mites. He said, She'd done more than all of you. Amen. Notice he called his own disciples and said this to them. He's concerned about his disciples. What the rest of the crowd does, they're going to do. Amen. The rich and the well off, oh, That's what the idea today is. You know, tax those rich people. Tax them, tax them, put more burden on them, press them. They got it. Same philosophy. The rich and the well-off owe it to society. And I believe there's responsibilities of how God blesses us with bounty. But God blesses according to ability. 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 I'm going to race through some things, but 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, I want you to hear this verse. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And I like the next verse. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So God blesses ability. God blesses proper attitude. God instructs us in our giving to be out of love. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3, uh, Paul writes these words. He says, To their power bear I record, and beyond their power they are willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of ministering to these saints. And as they did it, not as we hope, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord. So, this church impoverished, this church having their own need, they gave above their need to be obedient. And they gave unto Paul for the work that he was in. The best example is not Paul. The best example is not the widow. The best example is God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Now she only had a couple of mites. He gave his only begotten son. For me, the likes of me, the likes of you. Jesus gave himself. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. You know, we're admonished there. It says, who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20. And so God talks to us about the responsibility of giving. That's the first point in our offerings. In our tithe, in our benevolence, in our giving to others and so forth. But here's a couple that I think... Uh, that need to be said and need to be understood that are equally important to God. And in Romans chapter 12 and verse 15, it'll be familiar to you, Uh, Paul writes these words. He says, um, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. What does that mean? We need to be giving sympathy to others. That's an important. You don't you often hear, I I don't think I've ever heard a point about giving that included our sympathy, giving our sympathy to others. Oh yeah, give an offering, help here a little bit. But sympathy. The Bible said that uh, Jesus, seeing the multitudes in need, he, he was moved. God moved him inwardly. He talks about the feeling of our infirmities. He, as a high priest, understands our life. Jesus understands sickness. Julie Soper, I shook her hand this morning, and she said, oh, I got my test back. Everything's good. Great. Jesus understands. That's wonderful. But he understood what she was feeling like when she didn't know the result yet. The feeling of our infirmity. He understands the human plight. He understands the hardship and heartache and sorrow that people have in their life. But Jesus had compassion, and he had sympathy toward other people in their hardship. Jesus understood feebleness, illness, of not just physical body, but of the soul. My wife constantly reminds me of this, Sometimes I have difficult times sometimes with situations. Some people, you have a difficult problem listening to me, but sometimes, anyway. But <clears throat> she knows me, and I'll think, when is this person ever going to get this clear? I mean, God has shown them, I've tried to help them, I've tried. And she always says this comfort the feeble minded. And she says, you know, one of these days you may be (laughs) feeble-minded. And I know she knows I'm already getting there. I'm going there. So then it makes me think, what is she trying to tell me? I'm one of those people that she just works with because I'm the guy. But she has sympathy toward me. Oftentimes we don't have sympathy toward others. Jesus, he wept with Mary and Martha when Lazarus died in John 11. He touched the untouchable leper in Matthew 8:3. He showed compassion on that widow woman of Nain that was going to bury her only son. This is the Lord. He's the example. Someone has said encouragement is the oxygen of the soul. I like that. Everybody needs encouragement every once in a while. And if you don't need it today, you're going to need it tomorrow. Nobody ever gets through this life, the hardship of this earthly life, without a little encouragement every once in a while. And what we need to do is, yeah, you can give your money in the office. That's great. Be faithful to God. God will bless that. But he's not telling you that's all he wants from you. He wants you to give the sacrifice of sympathy... Toward other people. Oftentimes we don't look around and see the need of other people. We just focus on ourselves. Our needs, our wants. Amen. Jesus was an encourager. He was a comforter. The word Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit has meaning of the comforter, which means one who comes alongside. Romans 12, 15, Paul writes, You rejoice with those that rejoice, you weep with those that weep. Those are emotional responses. Many times we think or even say sometimes to people, yeah, Well, I know, I understand you had this health problem. I understand you had this loss. I understand you had this burden, but man, get over it. Move on. Snap out of it. Amen. Put your big boy pants on. You'll be all right. You know, when people are going through problems, they don't need to hear that. Amen. But oftentimes, we say things, or we think things, or even our facial expressions show people how we really feel. But the Lord had compassion. I want to submit to you as a church member, and as this church, we need to do a better job at having the sacrifice of sympathy toward others. You can do that. I can do that better. Verbally and non-verbally. Cards and, and prayers and visits and breaking of bread, sitting near someone, being a listener. Oftentimes when people come to uh, meet me in my office for counseling, I don't know what they want. They're coming as a couple or they're coming as a family or they're coming as an individual. And I, I often say, now I'll just be a good listener, but I'm going to take some notes so I can come back to my thought that I might have had. We're not good at being listeners. Because I don't know if you're... I'm an awful lot like this. I'm ready to... What I'm going to say. I remember years ago, a young pastor, I was in Indiana, and, you know, I was trying to learn how to be a preacher, and I wasn't doing a very good job. And I remember a lady had some problems, and I called her in. Her kids are in our Christian school. And I said I said to her something like, this, sister I gave her name, I said... I've listened, I've tried to give you advice. She said, Preacher, it's not that you don't listen and not that you don't give good advice, but it's the way you say things sometimes. I, I think most men have that issue. And all God's women said, Amen. But she said, it's the way you say things. You know, folks, when somebody needs a sympathetic ear, it's the way we listen or the way we act. Or our attitude. You say I'm really I'm doing good in my giving. Okay, aside from money, where's your sympathy? Where's your friendliness toward other people? You know, in this church we got a we got a friendly church, and people see each other. But there are some it's it, it, it's it's like it's not your comfort zone. You you know you'll maybe this is your pew. So how how are you and how are you? And how You ain't ever going to go that way, in that corner. Especially not with Art Wilson back there. You're never going to go back there. You're not going to come up here with John. Hey, we need to be sympathetic toward one another and care. Amen. Another form of, because i got to rush here, A responsibility in the body of Christ is, which we don't really like to hear this too often, I think, in our spirit, which is sad. The stewardship of sharing the gospel. Paul writes in Romans chapter 15 and verse 16, again, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles ministering the gospel of God That the offering up the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I as an individual Christian man, I am supposed to give the gospel out to people that cross my path. Not just because I'm the pastor. Not just because I'm a preacher. Not just because, no. I need to be faithful in that aspect of giving out the gospel. Again, the first part, you thought that was the bad part. You thought, oh, you're going to preach on money. And you move on and said, now he wants us to be sympathetic. And now, my goodness, pastor's trying to teach us this year in 2019 to, is to be good stewards of sharing that gospel. I don't like doing that. I don't like, public, uh, I don't like public ministry. I don't like knocking on doors. I don't like speaking to strangers. But that's what we've been told to do, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God is looking for faithfulness. A couple days ago, I met this couple, their older couple. You know, I said to them, Keep, stay warm. Yeah, it's supposed to be, they said it's supposed to be 51 on Monday. And yeah, we're trying to stay. This a couple days ago when it was cold, just chatting. And I said, can I give you a gospel track? And they said, oh, we go to church. I said, you do go to church? She said, yeah. She said, we've gone to the same church for 60 years. Does anybody do that anymore? Grandma Wing, I don't know, she... Elaine, how long was your mom at that church? About that time, right? 60 years? Elaine, you've been here for what? 100 and what? (laughs) Long time. 53 years, wow. Wow. You know, I didn't even know those people, but I knew when we started talking. And they said, we've been members of this church, for Baptist Church, for, 50, for 60 years. And she said, yeah, we took our kids to church, and we took them to Sunday school. And she said, yeah, our baby. Uh, she said, we, we brought him to church and, and, and raised him up in that church. and He's now our pastor. I said, wonderful. That's faithfulness. But parents, look, we could teach them all the church, like we gotta, we gotta we gotta teach our children how to win souls, how to open up conversations, how to how to give out a piece of paper with the gospel on. You know, not everybody's I get that, but we gotta try, we gotta try again, we gotta do our part. And oftentimes we don't see the responsibility. It is a responsibility. And just as the Lord is standing over against the treasury watching how this one gave and this one gave, the Lord's watching you and I every time we pass somebody by. Or just say, That's not, I, I'm just not comfortable with that. Well, you need to correct that. God wants to use you. That's a stewardship of the gospel. Somebody might teach others to witness in a Sunday school class as a teacher. But what about the teacher? Would it be right for me to preach this to you and me not do it myself? Of course not. Some may teach a master club children, again, this, this for a badge. But does the teacher actually participate? Amen. Amen. We can be good at getting people to come to the hunter's banquet and the golf outing and the tent meeting. But do we try to reach the law? I'll tell you, we just had a men's meeting the last couple But Steve Everett, he, he always brings a crew of people with him, neighbors. How does he do that? Well, he reaches out to them. He asks them. He invites them. And I get it. Sometimes you invite people, they don't come. But there, there's people that try and then we fail. And there's some that just never want to try one time. Well, that's part of the stewardship of the Christian life. Amen. I want to encourage you. John 20, 21, Jesus said unto them again, Peace be unto you as my Father hath sent me, so send I you. Jesus is saying, I'm not asking you to do anything I didn't do. I I went. I came. Personal evangelism is a fundamental method and practice Of the book of Acts. Just read the book of Acts. The church went everywhere preaching the gospel. Then, another form of giving is speaking and singing and showing forth praise. The Bible says in in Psalm 89 5, And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. Notice that in the congregation of the saints. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Psalm 111, one, praise you the Lord, I will I'll praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. Psalm 149, one, praise you the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song in his praise in the congregation of saints. Over and over and over we're told in the congregation of the saints something ought to happen, there ought to be some praise. And we get uncomfortable when somebody praises too much. <clears throat> What to God? We had more people. We've lost our praisers. Oh, and Jason Kendrick is here. Man, he bugged a lot of people. Then people got used to him. They knew he's genuine of heart and accept Chuck Smith. <laughs> he did a lot of things around here. I miss him terribly. One thing is his amen his support of his pastor, him walking down there and kneeling down, praying at the, uh, at the invitation for people to get saved. You need people like that. So you know what, church? We need some more people to get right about this, this offering of praise. I don't want a dead church. And I, and I don't want to focus on me. Look at me. Not, not, you know I'm not talking. But there's genuine praise and singing unto the Lord. Amen. Preaching and teaching of God's Word should be done by those who are called and gifted and qualified, according to Romans. I believe that. Spurgeon, he wrote a book, if you never ever read the book, it's a wonderful book called Lectures to My Students. Spurgeon was a soul winner. Spurgeon, he had a statement in that book, says, God has never called anyone to bore the saints. <laughs> he was telling the young preachers, and if you can't preach, don't preach. He's never called anybody to bore people. My pastor had a good saying. He used to say to me, he said, if your mom didn't give to you, you don't got it. You know. He... But I want us to understand, speaking and praising God and singing his praises is something we all can do quiet in here today just very quiet but we can holler i'll tell you what tonight some of you say oh, i don't care i don't care about the super bowl you'll get home or you'll go to somebody's house and that's fine it's fun enjoy that get whatever maybe that's not your thing maybe basketball should maybe hockey's your thing laura's a hockey girl amen my uh, grandson Micah and I, we have a game we play whenever we get together. It's called Hockey Fight in Canada. It's not about hockey. It's about the fight. And that's where hockey used to be really good. Now it's kind of sissified. Nobody gets in a fight. I mean, you might get a penalty. And, you know, I, was a, I went down and watched Gordie Howe play and I used to love to watch Gordie play because Gordie fought. He had fists twice that. Now I remember, this has nothing to do with my message, but I remember going down there with my dad, we, they were playing the Boston Bruins, and there was a young punk new guy, Derek Sanders, and he was Mr. Fabio, and he played hockey in his hair, and he kept messing with old Gordy all first two periods, got in the third period, and Gordy got him in the corner. He beat the devil out of that boy. He showed him. Now where was I? Oh, hockey! Hockey may be your thing, or basketball, or golf. I don't know. But would you would you go along with it? You get excited sometimes. Tonight, oh, it's good! Oh, a popcorn bowl will go. That's okay. We'll clean it up later. But you can't get people to smile in church. You can't get. Nobody's going to say "Amen" too loud. You're certainly not going to hear any glory to gods or hallelujahs, not in a Baptist church. But you understand that this is called a sacrifice of praise unto God. When's the last time you praised God? We often praise God when we get, you know, tax return. A windfall. but it's a sacrifice of praise, but sacrifice in troubled times. Lastly, there's a giving, a stewardship mentioned in the Bible. Turn to Hebrews four and we'll be done. Hebrews four. in verse 16, Hebrews talks a lot about sacrifices. Hebrews 4.16 For men verily, verily swear by the greater Oh, I'm sorry, that's chapter 6. Four, verse sixteen. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find help uh, and find grace to help in time of need. This last stewardship is to be faithful and fervent In our prayer life. The Bible says the fervent effectual prayers of a righteous man availeth much. I don't know where your prayer life is today. But we all need a better prayer life. One thing you could do for your church. And for your brothers and sisters in Christ here at this church. Is to pray. Pray for one another. Pray with one another. I called a brother on the phone the other day. Just to see how he was doing. And. Asked him, is there some way we can help in some way? And he said, really? I just need prayer. I really need prayer for God to bless. If we would all be honest with ourselves, that's what we all need. We think it's money. We think it's a, we think it's a raise. We think it's a better health care. We think it's, in those things, I don't minimize those things, but we need prayer, the prayer of the saints. We need to be praying saints Prayer is simply recognizing our need. Ephesians 6 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching unto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. The supplicating prayer is not for us. Give me, Lord, give me for me and mine. Supplication is praying for others, seeing the need others have, the want that they have, the request that they have, entreating for them. Paul says in 1 Timothy 2:1, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made to all men. All men need this in the body of Christ. Well, I'll give you this last story to illustrate our need for prayer. An old English writer, Sir Hall Cain, wrote a book called The Scapegoat. It was about an old Jewish couple that were married for many years and had no children. Then late in their marriage, a little girl was born unto them. They were so excited. But there was difficulty at birth, and they found out that their little girl was born deaf, blind, and could not speak. They called her Naomi. In a few years, sadly, from complications of birth, mother died. This is an aged couple that had this baby. They never could have children. And so the aged father was left to raise this young girl who lived in total darkness and silence. The writer of this book, Scapegoat, tells of times in the night that this little girl would come to her father's bedside in the dark. My kids used to do that and scare me half to death. But she'd come, stand at his bedside. He didn't know what she wanted. Did she come for comfort? Did she come because she missed her mother? Did she have a bad dream? No one knew for sure. It seemed to him, though, that she came in the darkness and in silence just to be near her father, the only one that seemed to care. I wonder if the Lord is just waiting for us to call to draw near to Him again. In our songbook is that old song, Sweet Hour of Prayer. I doubt any local assembly today has Sweet Hour of Prayer. 15, 20 minutes, half hour. The old revivalists would agonize. You know, I was reading a lot about revival lately, and I read a lot about a lot of the senior women of churches back in Brush Arbor meeting days, pre-tent meeting days. They saw revival. It was those women praying, getting a hold of God on the side of a mountain for days and months and years. Does such a thing exist today? I wonder. Do we love the Lord enough just to be near Him? That little girl, blind, couldn't talk, couldn't communicate, would just come and stand by Dad's bed. When's the last time? What's that old song say? You knelt by your bed and told Him your heart's hidden secrets that's what he wants and that's our responsibility for we need to pray unto the Lord for his will and for others prayers intercessions supplication supplication means I as your pastor call your name out to God in prayer and I hope you do the same because I definitely need it today church We're moving on in this year. It's going to go quickly now. we got a lot to accomplish for the Lord. I commend you on your giving. I preached on giving because there's some people, quite frankly, I know, in any kind of assembly, is not honoring the Lord in that area. That's between you and the Lord. I wish you'd consider that because God wants to bless you. You know, some people preach about that curse in the Old Testament about not tithing, but I I don't know about that curse. I just know I want God to bless me. But it is good to fear the Lord. But the other responsibilities of having the sacrifice of sympathy, the duty of sharing the gospel, of showing forth praise to God in the assembly of the saints, and supplicating for others. Let's bow our heads if we would, every head bowed this morning. Quiet message, different message. But, oh, church, I encourage you today... I don't know what your what your sacrificial giving is. I don't know you personally, but don't just think it's money. Please don't just think it's money. But what about these other areas, the stewardship of life? How invested are you in the local church? How invested are you in being sympathetic toward others in their hurt and their pain and their discomfort? How are you doing right now with the sharing of the gospel? Oh, you want it, You want your church to do it. You want your ministers to do it. But are you actually practicing it yourself? The showing of praise. Can you get excited a little bit for the Lord? And obviously supplication and prayers. And here is our title: Not a mite would I withhold. Is there any little bit of those things that you need to check your heart on and say, Lord? spoke to my heart dear Holy Spirit I know I'm holding up on you on these areas. Father bless and help this church to be the best it can be. Lord we go now into this month of February and we want you to be with us and to bless us. Thank you for the visitors we have today. I pray God that this message has not been a burden but a blessing Lord, we all, need to be, um, we all need to be shook up a little bit and made to see some things. Although, Lord, I believe this church to be a fine example of a local church, we all need improvement. I do, Lord. Help me to be a, a leader, an example in these areas myself. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.